Hey fam, it's Lexi here to welcome you to the You Can Through Christ podcast. I am so honored and excited you're here. I pray these words give you the confidence to know you can do all things through Him. He is for you, loves you, and made you for an exact purpose for this life and the one to come. Stay tuned to find out. How do I know God is sovereign in the midst of our suffering? Proverbs 18.14 says, The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear? It's not supposed to be this way. All the problems, stress, and heartbreak was not how God created this world to work in his original design. There are situations and circumstances in our lives where we just cannot find the words to express to others how we feel. Even the ones we love most cannot seem to bring us comfort during those times. Those times where it feels like you can't breathe, sometimes to the point where you wonder if life is worth it. Situations where you question God, question how a good God can let something like this happen. Examples include death, a life-altering diagnosis, breakups, divorce, affairs, losing your job, infertility, imprisonment, rape, rejection of your life dreams, goals, and schools, just to name a few. Times where you are convinced there's not even the smallest speck of hope. Life is hard, really hard. However, God has equipped us to be able to cope with it, but only with his help. Someone who has been a great example in my life has been my best friend, Lauren, who has, who has an unwavering faith I truly admire. As she once said that if God allowed a painful situation to happen, whether it was in her life through a relationship or problems with miscarriages and infertility, she was so confident and bold, God would put it on her heart to be okay and to have peace in his timing. What amazed me was her trust in God, even though I saw the tears of someone I love so much and how bad she was hurting. She knew God cares about and loves the children she carried more than she did, which is hard for us to wrap our minds around. She would remind me our life is not our own, it is God's, and this can either frustrate us or completely comfort us that he cares more about our lives, pain, and situations than we do, and he wants his story written out perfectly for us through the brokenness we go through. Psalm 37, 23-24 says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And Romans 8.18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The worst of what you are going through now cannot compare to the glory that will be revealed in us when we have Jesus in this life today and the eternal life to come. As an occupational therapist, we have had psychology training in grad school, and I also had further training while studying for my certified hand and upper extremity boards. I learned flashbacks and nightmares are a part of healing that result from trauma, helping us process what we are going through. I also found it fascinating that, that it has been proven in therapy, if you have people with the same diagnosis treated at the same time, it improves their outcome if they were able to converse. All of us have or are going to experience trauma at some point in our lives. And the question is, what do we do with this new image if things have been going smoothly up to that point. 
is it possible if we were all willing to be more vulnerable and talk about our struggles that we all have, that may in a sense of speaking from a research perspective show better results in our coping? According to the world, trauma leaves us hopeless. But according to God, we are never without hope. Matthew 5, 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. There is a big difference on how the Bible tells us to mourn as compared to the world. When I have gone through pain, I was shocked at how many feel moving on should happen quickly, if not almost immediately. It was almost as if the world felt the source of healing is simply distraction. Psalm 126, 5-6 says, Those who sow with tears will reap a song of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Psalm 34, 17-18 says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus wants and desires to heal your broken heart. If we don't take time to mourn, we can fall into depression. I want to encourage you that if you try to avoid grieving and mourning, it doesn't get rid of the feelings. Even if in the moment you do not feel the weight and depth or of the cut, it will continue to linger until you deal with it. Be patient with yourself during this hard time and understand even when your emotions change, God has not. God is deeper than our feelings. He wants us to talk to him about how we feel and understand that he cares. God can turn your pain to peace, but the only way is to go through the pain and get in the word, searching after him many times before we actually can feel the peace. This world is beyond broken, and I know I didn't just tell you something new. When we experience these situations where we find it hard to breathe and go on, God says to mourn and promises to work anything out for good for those who love him. Never force yourself or anyone out of their grief, but simply be there alongside them as they grieve, checking in on them. I naturally desire to fix everyone I love's problems, and I am sure you would love to take the pain away from people you love too, including yourself. But I continually remind myself, I am not God. I can't take someone else's pain away. And even if I feel like I know them or even myself like the back of my hand, Jesus still knows us better. Jesus can comfort and we can remind someone of his love by being with them in the hard times. As much as I want to help, sometimes all you can do, especially when someone has lost a loved one who has died, including miscarriages, is let the individual know how sorry you are and that you are praying for them and continuing to check in. There was a man very familiar with suffering named Job. And further in this story, we are going to see the power of our presence when it comes to comforting those we love. Job 2.3 says, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. But Satan replied in Job 1, 9-10, saying, Does Job fear God for nothing? You have blessed the work of his hands. Job 2, 5-7 says, Strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. 
Job 1.14 says his animals were taken. Job 1.19 says his sons and daughters were taken when a wind struck the house. Satan argued Job worshipped and served God only because God blessed him for his life. God knew Job's heart. He did not serve God because of the blessings. He served God because he loves him. Job 1, 20-22 says, At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Job still mourned. Job was not told to be happy when his life fell apart, but to trust God that he would make it right. Not only is Job's suffering affecting him, but also his wife, who was even discouraging him in Job 2, 9 through 10, saying, his wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And all this Job did not send him what he said. Even though Satan had free reign, God was still in control as he had to spare Job's life. When Job's wife told Job to curse God for what he was going through, it proved Job's heart was not to gain from God. He served God because he had a genuine relationship with him and loved him regardless of the outcome as he understood God's character. What do you think gave Job peace and confidence in God even when he lost everything for no reason? Job 5, 9-11 through 11 says, He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. He provides rain for the earth. He sends water on the countryside. The lowly he sets on high, and those who mourn are lifted to safety. Proverbs 133 says, But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. James 5, 10-11 says, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. We all know what it feels to suffer, and it is a pain beyond comprehension or being able to explain. But so is his peace when we realize he is in ultimate control through his sovereignty, and the pain will not last forever, and he knows what he is doing. Job 9.12 says, Who can say to him, What are you doing? Another man, King Nebuchadnezzar, was a king who was full of pride. And God humbled him, bringing him to a state of insanity, where he literally acted like a wild beast in the field. Then when his sanity was restored, he said in Daniel chapter 4, verses 34 through 37, His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven, because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. In Job 2.11, 
Job's friends heard his trouble and went to sympathize and comfort him. Job 2.13 says his friends sat with him for seven days and nights and didn't say a word because they saw how much pain, how much he was suffering. Job's friends started being the perfect example of what we are to be in a friend when someone is suffering. The deeper the hurt, the fewer words are needed. What is needed is simply your presence, meaning you do not need to worry about what to say when people are suffering, as many avoid those suffering due to this fear or worry. I truly believe God designed something powerful in our presence that words cannot do justice when we are suffering at our worst. Let this give you peace when you want to comfort others and you don't know what to say. God was actually upset Job's friends spoke too much and tried to reason why God would allow the pain he was experiencing. Two of Job's friends told Job the reason he had all these terrible events was due to something he had done wrong, which angered God since this was not true. What I love is Job's response. He was accused of wronging God, which was not true. However, he prays God does not punish his friends. When we have this confident relationship with God and truly see how much we also have done wrong to God, it helps soften our hearts to others even when they hurt us. Job 42.7 says, After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Tamanite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. God blesses Job because he prays for his friends. Job 42, 10 through 12 says, After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. At a funeral, a common question for both the giving and receiving end is, what do I say? The best thing you could do, again, is to just be there for them, even if you do not know what to say. I really think we don't know what to say because before sin, we were never made for death. Death is where humanity is confronted with God because it is out of our control. And we know it cannot be the end because God has set eternity on the human heart. I believe the same goes for miscarriages. When someone loses their baby, there isn't advice you can give to take away the pain but you can share in their pain and pray for them. When people are asked after a funeral or a miscarriage what they remember, many times they honestly don't remember the words, but they do remember who is present. Don't run away from others when they are hurting because it is natural for us to feel anxious or worry. God is bigger than your words and bigger than the worst trauma. Keep their hope alive. Even if they do not believe there is hope, you can believe it for them. Do not force anyone to feel anything they cannot when they are struggling. Just be there for them through every stage and phase. Jesus knows this pain very well. He experienced every hurt we could possibly imagine all at one time. Abandonment from his disciples and family, even abandonment from himself, aka God, for a split second when God had to pour the wrath of all our sins on him. Even though we mourn, we always mourn with hope. Many people will say they have tried to find God, especially when reaching what seems to be a hopeless point in their lives, and have said they had no luck. But according to scripture, this can't be true. James 4, 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Are you tired of waiting on God? Maybe he's waiting on you. 
Just like other relationships, you will also come to find if you do not actively pursue or put the time into practice, you may feel the intimacy fading. God is ever-present no matter how we feel. Our feelings are not truth. We do not feel his presence because in our darkest times we tend to withdraw. God is saying to stay near to him, meaning continue to pray and talk to him, even if your talking is tears and yelling. This also means talking to people God has given you. Do not leave yourself in isolation. The enemy loves when we are isolated because he can better get into our heads and thoughts, using our weaknesses to destroy us. Ask others to pray for you. You do not even have to talk about the situation if you don't want to. Just surround yourself with your family and friends. Daniel 3.18 says, And if not, he is still good. Even though our circumstances are not always good, God is. Only he has the power to turn our dark situations into hopeful circumstances. When I have gone through dark times, sometimes I feel as if God owes me, as if he needs to turn the situation around for me. Even though he wants to turn our situations around and ultimately will in his way and timing, 2 Corinthians 4, 8-9 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Joshua 1, 5 says, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Noah, or sorry, Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave nor forsake you. When we or a loved one is diagnosed with a life-threatening or life-changing disease, it can be hard to see the purpose it can have or that any good can come from it. John eleven four says, When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Does God create evil or if you sin and there are consequences, it doesn't mean that it's God's fault? No. He does not cause evil, but with our free will, he allows it and uses the evil he never desired and turns it for good in his glory because he is more powerful. If he did not give us the ability to have free will, there would be no ability for us to freely choose to love him either. God knew the wrong choices we would make, but having a genuine love and relationship with us must mean he thought it was worth it. So why did God make us knowing we would all have to experience situations here in this world that would hurt us? When questioning our creator, what I realize is I am arguing with the very being that gave me the ability to argue in the first place. God is clear in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And Isaiah 43, 13 says, Yes, from ancient days I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? And Ecclesiastes eleven five says, As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. And 1 Corinthians one twenty five says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. I want to remind us this does not ever mean God approves sin, such as murder, rape, or any other tragedy that happens in our lives that you may have experienced. All this means is God is more powerful than the worst evil, and he is hurting with us. His thoughts, ways, and plans can make good out of the pain when we turn to him.
When Jesus creates good in our lives, it is not his way of approving the sin, but it, it is his grace overcoming our sin. Ecclesiastes 8, 6 through 8 says, For there is a proper time and procedure for every matter, though a person may be weighed down by misery. Since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come? As no one has the power over the wind to contain it, so no one has power over the time of their death. Knowing God has already determined your death date can either bring you peace or anxiety. The answer lies in your relationship with him. One of the reasons death is really hard for us to comprehend when we lose someone or even the thought of us dying ourselves is we were not designed for it until sin entered the world. Romans 6, 5-9 says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Even though we will die on this earth, it will end up being our biggest blessing. And until then, he has a purpose in the here and now, each day of our lives preparing us for that day. We who have died with Christ have overcome death. It is defeated. 2 Corinthians 5.1 says, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. 1 Corinthians 15, 54-57 says, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 5-10 says, Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for us, the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. In John 11, 25-26, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Psalm 84.10 says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. 1 Thessalonians 4.13-14 says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind, who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with bring them with Jesus those who have fallen asleep with him. Funerals are so hard to go to, but they are necessary reminders to all of us that there is more than this. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Once you begin to trust in God's plans and process today, you do see he is good, and the more you continue to do so, the more he will continue to show you his character throughout your lifetime. 
Yet the question still remains for most. If God is good, why do bad things happen? John 3.19 says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. The answer will always be free will. We have the choice every day to choose Jesus' way or our own way. As people, all of us, every single one of us, wants our own way until we have the Holy Spirit to start convicting us. And honestly, I will always think the question should be switched to, how can there be any good in such a broken world? Good happens because of his grace. Psalm 16, 2 says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. He is continuing to work out his good purposes in the midst of the heartache. I'll be honest, my heart gets it even though my head does not follow suit. I remain confident remembering he created us in the first place knowing in advance we would have to suffer and knowing that he would have to sacrifice his son for us. It tells us we have more purpose even through the pain and suffering than we understand or can imagine. The next question you may be wondering, why would God give us free will when he knew how broken this world would become? This brings us back to the definition of love, the very essence of who God is. Even though we can choose our own way, he also knows we can choose him. God doesn't want some robotic people he forces to love him. He is not an evil dictator. God does not need us. He decided to create you because when he pictured his family, he saw you in it. When you love someone, no matter how hard it is, you do not force them to love you back. This is why, since the beginning of time, he has had the salvation plan already made. 2 Timothy 2, 11-13 says, Here is a trustworthy saying, If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, he will also, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot disown himself. And Psalm 25:10 says, All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. John 16:33 says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And 1 John 5, 4-5 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And Psalm 34, 19 says, The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. I know sometimes when we pray, we feel God is not listening because our circumstances have not changed. Trust me, I have been there. But God always hears and answers our prayer. Sometimes the answer is no or wait, and it is hard to comprehend in the midst of our pain. Psalm 62, 8 says, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. David is telling us to pour out our hearts. If we do not pour, pour out our hearts to God, we will pour them out in ways that will hurt us, whether in anger, rage, depression, or addictions. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and out, outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. 
You may be suffering worse than you can handle on your own right now, but take hope nothing is too hard for God. Trust not in your situations, but God's character. Many say time heals all wounds. Time can be a tool that can be used if you have God. However, time by itself will not heal a wound, but at the best could briefly cover one. Ask anyone who has lost a child, a parent, a spouse, loved one, or has lost a relationship close to them. Time cannot heal on its own. Isaiah 64, 3-5 says, For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down, and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to help you come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. Revelation twenty one four says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. One day it will all make sense. Which leads into the exciting news and reminder for some listening, Jesus is coming back and can help us live with joy today in the midst of the suffering. We can have a peace from God that will not make sense to the world. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. The only thing that keeps me going when my world is falling apart is starting back from Genesis to the end of the Bible. God's purpose is unstoppable. If you read from beginning to end, even through the horrible brokenness of humanity. You see people messing up our lives or others' lives and God just continuing to make it for good. I think of Joseph, Joseph the son of Jacob. In Genesis 50, 20, he says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers out of envy, accused falsely of adultery, forgotten in prison when he helped someone else escape, but God ultimately led him to rule with Pharaoh. Thanks for hanging out with us. For more, go to youcanthroughchrist.com. You are loved.